tonight, if you will, and turn to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to we're going to move away just a little bit tonight from the series that we've been in, and uh, Lord willing, I'll bring that to a close this coming Sunday. I'll be preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, on finding victory in a failing world, and um, we'll be talking about Lot and Abraham and, and Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, we've talked about it many times in the last month or so, but boy, it's been, a, I tell you what, I, I've got a lot out of that. I hope, hope that you have as well. But tonight we're going to, we're going to move away from that just a little bit tonight. And I want to give you something. I want to give the church something that the Lord gave me just in personal Bible study. And I think that, uh, I think you'll gain something from it tonight. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about this subject. What's wrong with the next generation? What's wrong? What are you, am, am I the only one that steps back and says, man, what's wrong? Have you watched the news today? Man, you watch the news and after you see what's happened in Arlington, Texas today, and you're like, man, what's wrong? And I believe I'm going to tell you what's wrong tonight. If I had a secondary title, and this is really what I was going to title this message tonight, I was going to call it Modern Day Child Sacrifice. And so look with me, if you will. When you find your place, why don't we give you one last opportunity to stretch your legs and we'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. If you're able, uh, Ezekiel 16, and we're going to start in verse number 1 tonight. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse number nine, then we're going to skip uh, a little bit. Ezekiel 16, verse one. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy, thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out into the open field to the loathing of thy person in the, in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I love this. And I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned and thine hair is grown. Whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Wow. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. We don't have time to get in, into all of that tonight, but man, go back and study that out, what we just read. It is amazing. Verse 9 then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee 
and I anointed thee with oil. Now, skip down, if you will, to verse number 17. Same chapter, verse 17. And we're going to read through verse number 27. Thou hast also taken thy fair jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given thee, and madest to thyself images of men, and didst commit whoredom with them, and tookest thy broided garments and coveredst them, and thou hast set mine oil and mine incense before them, before these gods, these idols. My meat also, which I gave thee, fine flour and oil and honey, Wherewith I fed thee, thou hast set it even before them for a sweet savor. And thus it was, saith the Lord God. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them? And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth when thou wast naked and bare and was polluted in thy blood. And it came to pass after all thy wickedness, woe, woe unto thee, saith the Lord God, that thou hast also built unto thee an eminent place and hast made thee a high place in every street. Thou hast built thy high place at every head of thy way and hast made thy beauty to be abhorred and hast abhorred thy feet to everyone that passed by and multiplied thy whoredoms. Thou hast also committed fornication with the Egyptians, thy neighbors, great of flesh, and hast increased thy whoredoms to provoke me to anger. Behold, Therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee and have diminished thine ordinary food and delivered thee unto the will of them that hate thee, the daughters of the Philistines, which are ashamed of thy lewd way. Man, we could preach that 10,000 different ways. You know what's really, and I'm not preaching this tonight, but you know what's really uh, a shame is that we have other countries that are looking at America and they're ashamed of America now. I'm talking about countries that don't even claim to be Christian countries. And they're looking on at some of our lewd ways and they're ashamed. Well, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed for my country tonight. And uh, I want to talk to you about that subject. What's wrong with the next generation? And so you may be seated tonight and uh, we'll try to give you a little something. I hope it'll be a help to you tonight. So, Father, thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a, a church family, and it's been a good night. We thank you for church. It's good for us to be here. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so, Father, we're glad to be here tonight. And uh, there's nobody here this evening <clears throat> that made it here by accident. They all came here consciously and purposely. And I pray that you'll bless them for their faithfulness. And Father, we want to turn right around and say thank you for your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, we know it's, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Father, I pray that you would knit our hearts together now as we learn a little something from your precious book tonight. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, not only for me, but for your people. Lord, it's a little easier for me because I'm up here and I get to be <clears throat> moving around, but Lord, they're tired and they've worked all day and they're sitting in their seats and sometimes it gets a little hard 
and uncomfortable to listen, but I pray supernaturally that you would touch them and I pray that they would not only be able to listen, but they'd be able to listen intently. And I pray that you would stir our hearts tonight, that we might be more of the servants that you desire. Bless the live stream ministries. It reaches out. And I pray that it would reach out in a, a more powerful way, even tonight. I know some of our folk are away tonight. Some of those may be watching this evening. And so, Lord, help us please now. We love you and praise you. And we ask you for your guidance. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all the Lord's people said, amen. And so you may have surmised this, but the message of Ezekiel, the prophet to Israel, was basically one of judgment. Judgment. Ezekiel's message was judgment could have been diverted, but not any longer. And the reason that you are suffering exile is because you turned away from the ways of the Lord. And somebody may ask, preacher, just how bad was it? Well, we know from Ezekiel and specifically Ezekiel 16 that at one point, God rebukes Israel for living worse than Sodom. Look, if you will, at Ezekiel chapter 16, verse number, verse number 52. Wow, what a, uh, what a charge. <clears throat> verse 52, he said, Thou also which hast judged thy sisters. Now, when he says sisters, he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and some of the heathen nations around them. Thou also which, that, which uh, hast judged thy sisters, bear thine own shame for thy sins that thou hast committed more abominable than they. And then the Lord says about Sodom, they are more righteous than thou. Yea, be thou confounded also and bear thy shame in that thou hast justified thy sisters. Wow. In other words, God says, compared to you, they're doing well. And so that tells us something. It tells us that, that Israel, that Judah has been, has, has plummeted into a life of abomination and sin. By the way, don't ever, you know, uh, may, we, may we never say, I would never do that. We never know what we'll do if we get away from the things of the Lord. And that's what's going on here. Now, I want you to follow this. Part of the reason for that rebuke that we just explained was because the Israelites literally, literally, and that's the key word there, literally began to sacrifice their children to false gods. Ezekiel is not talking, and he does talk some in symbols and typology in the uh, prophetic book of Ezekiel. But when, 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 when Ezekiel mentions that they have begun to sacrifice their children, at least to some extent, he's not talking symbols and he's not talking typology here in this passage. Now look at Ezekiel 16, verse number 20. He says, Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Unto them. Who's the them? That's false gods. He says, is this of thy whoredoms a small matter? In other words, do you think this is a small thing? This is big. This is serious. That's what he's saying. This is serious. Verse 21, that, that thou hast slain my children and delivered them, notice this phrase, to cause them to pass through the fire. Now, what, what's he talking about there? He's talking about they had literally begun to sacrifice their children to these false gods. 
You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. But in 2 Kings chapter 16, the Bible talks about a king by the name of Ahaz. And it says this in 2 Kings 16 verse number 3, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire according to the abomination of the heathen. In 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse number 6, it talks about another king by the name of Manasseh. By the way, one of the most wicked kings that ever reigned over Israel was Manasseh. And it says there, and he made his son to pass, made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And so these people are literally sacrificing their children to, to the fire. They're making their kids pass through the fire. Now, what does that mean? They were, they were literally and, and they, they were literally burning their children to these false gods. Gods like Chemosh, gods like Astaroth, gods like Moloch. They, some, some scholars believe that Moloch was a, was a god that was a sort of a, maybe made of some type of steel or iron. And, and they believe that he had his arms outreached and he had a, if you can imagine a, a pot belly stove and Moloch had a, an opening where they would stoke the fire. They would open Moloch up and they would put, you know, wood in there, dry wood, and they would get this God so hot that some scholars say that it would become almost white hot, arms outstretched. And the Israelites would take their babies and they would lay their babies in the arms of this God. And literally their babies would, would fry. I mean, just fry to death. That's what, the Bible is, that's what the Bible is referring to. Now, as terrible as this sounds, and it is, it's terrible. I'm afraid that a lot of folks in America are making the same exact mistake. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put this little disclaimer in there. Maybe they're doing it unknowingly. Maybe they're doing it ignorantly. But as I begin to read through uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, boy, I begin to see some things that are pretty synonymous with America and, uh, and some of these altars that these people begin to sacrifice their kids to. As you read through the book of Ezekiel, especially chapter number 16, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, this uh, doesn't sound like Israel. This sounds like America. And I want to show you tonight, if I could, I want to show you some altars that these people offered their children to, these, these altars of false gods. And I believe that we are using some of the same identical altars tonight. And I want to show those to you, if I could. How about this? Number one, I'm, just for the sake of learning, I'm going to letter them all with the letter A. But the first one is what I'm going to call the altar of apathy. The altar of apathy. Uh, the word apathy means this. It means a lack of interest or, and I'm really interested in this second word, a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern. That's apathy. You've heard somebody say, I don't care. I don't care. That's apathy. That's an apathetic attitude. A lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm. And how many believe this tonight? How many believe that we're suffering from a serious lack of enthusiasm for all that God has done for us? We really are. 
You say, preacher, are you talking about ingratitude? That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unthankfulness. I'm talking about ingratitude where we are living in a nation that is blessed beyond measure. We really can't even, uh, we really can't even fathom how blessed we are. And yet we are living in one of the most ungrateful generations that has ever lived. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see this tonight. Look in Ezekiel chapter 16, because I just think this is pretty amazing tonight. Ezekiel 16 and verse number eight. Notice what the Bible says. God says, now when I passed by thee, I looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Wow. You know what the Lord is saying there? You didn't have anything going for you. You were, basically, you were a castaway. You would have more than likely not have survived had I not come to your aid. And God said, I came to you, you were a mess. That's what he's saying, we read that a while ago. You were a mess. And God said, I came to you in a time of love and I, I spread my skirt over thee. I covered your nakedness, yea. I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God. And thou, I love this, and thou becamest mine. Aren't you glad you're his? Verse nine, then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. And I anointed thee with oil. Look at verse 10. I clothed thee also with broided work and shod thee with badger skins and, and, and girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. You know what he's saying? I, I put shoes on your feet. I put clothes on your back. You didn't have anything. You didn't have anything. And he said, I, I took care of you and I clothed you and I ministered to you and I, and I nurtured you. But look what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse number 22. And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms, look at this, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth when thou wast naked and bare and wast polluted in thy blood. You know what God is saying to Israel? He's saying, you forgot it. He said, you got over it. He said, I blessed you. I clothed you. I gave you food. I gave you sustenance. I gave you protection. I gave you love. He said, man, you didn't have not one solitary thing going for you. And he said, I came down and he said, I made you my own. And he, he said, I blessed you and I washed you and I cleaned you up and I, I took care of you. But this is what he's saying, Calvary. He's saying, Israel, you got to the day when you begin to take it for granted and you forgot about my blessings and you forgot about all the things that I had done for you. They forgot, listen, they forgot where they came from. And may I say to us tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, may we never forget where we came from. Oh, I know this is Wednesday night. I know this isn't preaching time tonight, but I can't hardly help myself. I'm telling you, there was a day when I was lost in my sin and I was on my way to hell and I didn't have anything going for me. And had it kept going that way, my dear friend, I would have split hell wide open. But happy day, happy day when the Holy Ghost came my way and it convicted my spirit and my soul. And I remember that day when I came to Jesus and asked Jesus to say, me and thank God he reached down and he washed me with that water of the Holy Ghost and thank God he made me his own. Good. May we never take that for granted. 
They forgot where they came from. Man, I read this this week. Can I give this to you? Richard Watley said this, it is generally true that all that is required to make men unmindful of what they owe God for any blessing is that they should receive the blessing often and regularly. What's that mean, preacher? That means if we're not careful, God will feed us so regularly, we start taking it for granted. Listen, can I just ask you this? When's the last time when you went to the closet and you put shoes on, you said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for shoes. You say, preacher, are you serious? There's a heart attack. I mean, thank the Lord for shoes. Well, I'd thank the Lord for shoes. My mom and dad won't buy me a $160 pair. Well, just be thankful you didn't have to wear cougars. When I was growing up, we didn't know what Air Jordans was. If I'd have went to my dad and said, Dad, I'd like a $160 pair of tennis shoes, my dad would have said, Son, what are you smoking? <laughs> my dad would have laughed me all the way out of the house. Man, we went down to pick and pay. Yeah, come on, can I get a witness right there, amen? We went down to pick and pay shoe store and mom would pick out a, a pair of tennis shoes, a pair of Cougar. Cougar, amen, C-U-G-A, uh, Cougar tennis shoes. And by the way, uh, and, and by the way, when mama bought them, she'd buy them too big because we grew into them so fast and she didn't want to buy a pair one month and then two months down the road, I had to buy another pair. So when you bought a pair of shoes, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I'm glad I am anyway. And, uh, and so when you tried on a pair of shoes, mom would pinch the toe to make sure the toe wasn't all the way at the end. She wanted to make sure you had some growing room. You know why? Because she wasn't planning on buying you another uh, $12 pair of tennis shoes, uh, you know, in a couple months uh, from then. Now, again, I'm getting, I'm getting way off course here tonight. We're being a little funny, but I, I'm just saying this. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for shoes to wear? And Lord, thank you for a shirt to put on? And Lord, thank you for uh, this wonderful meal that you put before me? And boy, I wonder how many kids across the world don't know what it is to have a pair of shoes on their feet. And, and somebody says, well, Pastor, I didn't have T-bone today. I, I just had a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I wonder how many kids across the world don't even know what a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is. And I wonder how many kids across the world have, have went day a day or two or three and not had one solitary bite of food to eat. And here we are living in the blessed, most blessed nation on the face of God's earth. And, and yet we're living in an unthankful generation, an unthankful nation. Amen. I'm feeling better and better about this message all the time tonight. Oh, I want to tell you what's wrong. You say, Pastor, what's wrong with this generation? I'll tell you what's wrong with this generation. We're a bunch of ingrates. We're not thankful. We're not grateful for the blessings of God. If we got right with God, we'd jump up and down and click our heels together and say, God, you've been so good to me. I don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. Amen. You know what the prophet Isaiah said about Israel? In Isaiah 57, 10, he said, Thou art wearied in the greatness 
of thy way. You know what he was saying? You got over it. You got over all the miracles. You got over crossing the Red Sea. You got over the manna from heaven. You got over that cloud by day and that fire by night. You got over somehow those clothes lasted all those years in the wilderness. Never got holes in your shoes. Never got holes in the, well, I'd like to have some of those pants, wouldn't y'all? I mean, never get holes in the, in the knees of your pants when I was a little boy. That's another thing, by the way. <laughs> While I'm on this thing good and, good and hot and heavy, I might as well go ahead. You know what? Whenever I was a boy, we always got holes in our knees of our pants. You know why? Because we didn't stay in the house doing this all night. We were outside running around, shooting slingshots, shooting BB guns, uh, riding horses and uh, playing in the woods. And, and we'd get holes in the knees of our trousers. And you say, uh, Mom went out and bought you another pair. No! Mom had patches. And she'd take this big old patch <laughs> and she would uh, roll that pants leg inside out. She'd get that iron heated up and she'd iron a patch. Can, can I get a witness tonight? Yeah. She'd iron a patch over that, that hole. Now the hole was still there, but she'd iron a patch over that thing so you didn't see your bare skin. And by the way, when you walked, you could feel the patch. You know? And, uh, oh, listen, Calvary, I'm just saying this. God's been good to us. Good night. God has been so good to us. And, and uh, listen, as parents, we ought to teach our kids to be thankful. Amen. Familiarity always breeds contempt. Familiarity always breeds contempt. Familiarity, what's that mean, preacher? When you get used to it. Breeds contempt in a marriage. 36 years, I've been with this little redhead over here. I don't want to get over her. Well, I'm so thankful God brought her into my life. We're getting a little, we're not old. We're getting older though. We're maturing. That's, that, that sounds better. We're maturing. Amen, Brother Staley, we're maturing. That's right. And we're maturing well, by the way. Too. And uh, hey, I never want to get over it. Familiarity will kill your marriage. Familiarity will kill your church. If you start getting over it, you know. And preacher says, hey, we had three saved last week. Oh, that's good. Hey, we're going we're to baptize tonight. Oh, that's good. What time are we getting out of here, preacher? Familiarity. Man, every time those baptistry waters move, well, will shout. Man, every time somebody goes down and comes up, man, well, claps. Yeah, hey, hey. Yes, thank you, Lord. I'm talking about being thankful. Familiarity always breeds contempt. We can take for granted a good spouse. We can take for granted a good job. We can take for granted a good church. We can take for granted a good parent. Well, my parents. Yeah, what, what, what about your parents? Well, I just don't understand them. You're not supposed to. That's why God gave you parents. You see, your parents have already been down that road a long ways. And I can promise you this, kids, I can promise you this. Your mom and dad don't stay up at night planning how they can make you miserable. 
Those so, they're so tired, they can't hardly hold their eyes open as it is. I promise you, they're not going to stay up at night and say, what can we do? What can we do to make them miserable? No, you know what they're doing? They're trying to look out for you and watch out for you. Yes, sir. They're trying to make sure that in some, time, that in some ways you don't make the same dreaded mistakes that they made. You know why? Because they remember how it broke their heart and how it just about ruined their life. And, and uh, you just, well, I don't understand. My parents, my parents set a curfew. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, my parents took my phone away. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord you got parents that care about you. Praise the Lord that when, when my dad, when my dad said, son, you be home at 11, you better be home at 11 o'clock. And by the way, can I just tell you this too? The day before I married that little redhead, her daddy said, have her home at 11 o'clock. The day before we were wed, you say, what'd you do? I had her home by 11 o'clock. Thank God for good parents. I'm just saying this ought to be, listen, we ought to be the most thankful people in the world. I'm so glad Brandon picked the songs that he picked tonight. He had no idea what I was going to preach tonight. Johnson Oatman uh, Jr. was born in April 21st, 1856 in Lumberton, New Jersey. Johnson Oatman had a dad who was a local business owner and he had an incredible voice. In fact, he was known as the best singer in all of Lumberton. And Johnson Oatman, he wanted to be what his daddy was, but he never had the voice. He never had the powerful voice that his dad had. But by the time he was 36 years of age, he did realize that God was giving him a musical talent and he wrote some, eventually he wrote some 5,000 songs. Some of the ones that he loved the most were a song that says, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Well, we could just clear off some land and shout right there for a while tonight, couldn't we? He had another one called Higher Ground. We've seen that here at Calvary Baptist Church. But the one that really seemed to stick was written in 1897. And it went like this. Went upon life's billows. You are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Hey, Calvary, can I just take this Wednesday night and just encourage us? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You say, Pastor, I'm going through the biggest valley I've ever went through. I get that and I'm not, I'm not belittling that in any way tonight, but I'm just saying this, my dear friend, when there's one valley right here, I promise you, there's a thousand blessings over here and, and can I just encourage us not to focus on the problem and not to focus on the valley and not focus on the storm, but can I encourage us tonight as children of God to turn around and say, God, I don't understand why you're doing this, but I want to thank you for all you're doing over here. Lord, thank you for food to eat and clothes on my back and thank you for a, a church to go to Thank you for saving my soul. And thank you for writing my name down the land's book alive. And thank you for giving me a holy word of God. And God, you've been so good to me. Thank you for all that you've done. Amen. 
Thankful, thankful. Man, when you consider where you could be, it ought to make us thankful. Someone said gratitude is nothing less than the key to happiness. There's a secret to happiness, and it's gratitude. Listen to this. This will help you. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think, now don't miss this. I've got this bold and highlighted. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain. But it's true to say that it is complaining that leads to people becoming unhappy. Become grateful and you'll become a much happier person. You say, Pastor, my car blew up. Well, praise the Lord, you have a bike. Pastor, my roof started leaking today. Well, praise the Lord, you have a roof over your head. I'm just saying that count your blessings. Name them one by one. Hey, parents, let me get back to what I'm talking about tonight. What's wrong with this generation? We are raising a generation, and we're not teaching them to be thankful. You know what? When you're at the dinner table, it ought not be snatch and grab. It ought to be as you're serving your kids. You ought to teach your kids to say, thank you, Dad. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's back up and try that again. <laughs> thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Let's put that in reverse and try that again. Thank you, Dad. And by the way, you say, well, preacher, my kids won't do it. Oh, well, they will do it. Or they won't have anything to be thankful for. And I'll just go ahead and eat right in front of them. You say, you're the meanest man. You say what you want to say, my dear friend. But I'd sit there and eat a T-bone steak with a salad and some Italian dressing on that thing and a bloated baked potato and enjoy every single second. Until they say, thank you, Dad. Oh, yeah, this is good preaching tonight. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm having a good time and nobody else is tonight. The altar of apathy. Can I give you this one quickly, quickly? Man, where in the world's the time gone? Number two, the altar of association. They sacrificed their kids on the altar of apathy. They sacrificed their kids on the altar of association. I'm talking about the wrong crowd. I'll do this quick, church. Look at Ezekiel 16, verse 25. Notice what Ezekiel says here. In verse number 25, he says, Thou hast, thou hast uh, built thy high place at every head of the way, and has made thy beauty to be abhorred. Look at this last part. And has opened thy feet to everyone that passed by. Wow. And multiplied thy whoredoms. And has opened thy feet to everyone that passed by. You know what the Bible's saying there? That they opened themselves up to basically anyone and everyone. And it impacted their children. 
Remember years ago, you older folk, remember years ago when you go to the school cafeteria and had those little posters in the school cafeteria and it said this, you will be what you eat. You could put another one up that says this, you will be what you hang around. That's true. And if you've been at Calvary any time at all, you've heard me say this 10 million times. You could say it yourself. You never jump in a swimming pool, make the swimming pool dry. You jump in a swimming pool, it makes you wet. And you never jump into the middle of the wrong crowd and make the wrong crowd good. The wrong crowd has a way of making you bad. Now we may do this, we may, we may do this unknowingly, but because of those that we've associated with, it's had an impact on our, on our kids. I'm talking about associations. Will you say, Pastor, I don't have any evil associations. Well, could I just throw this out there to you? Most of us here tonight, if you were at your home tonight, later tonight, and all of a sudden somebody came by, knocked on the door, and you said to your wife, who in the world can that be? And you went to the door, and you opened the door, and, and there was this guy standing there, man, scruffy looking, looked like hadn't had a bath in four weeks. Long hair, matted beard. He said, hey, blankety blank, blankety blank, blank. This is my girl. You think we could borrow your bedroom for a little while? I'd like to come in and be immoral with my girlfriend. Married? Oh, no, we're not married. We hadn't known each other but a day. I'd like to come in. We've got some Jack Daniels here. and I've got a little bit of marijuana. And think it'd be hard if we just come in and, and just make ourselves at home and, and just have us a time. You know what you would do? You would bristle up like a German shepherd on visitation night. <laughs> and you should. And you would say, buddy, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to count to 10 and you better be off this property. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think you are. I would never let you do that. And yet, we let Hollywood do it every day. We tell people at work, please don't use Jesus' name in front of me. And then we watch movies and they say every other word, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And we sit there and we let our kids watch it and listen to it. And we think, well, you just can't, I mean, preach, you just can't do anything about it. Oh, I can do something about it. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, I control it. I've got the remote that cuts it on and off. I don't have to watch it. I'm talking about wrong associations. Sometimes we, sometimes we, uh, we're guilty of wrong associations through music. And we'll let people come in our homes and they sing about beer, and sing about hanging all down at the honky-tonk. And Man, our kids are there, our grandkids are there and they're listening to all this stuff, you know. And Some guy says, yeah, I left my wife and got with this other gal. And, and, and uh, now, what are you saying? I'm saying that 
You say, preacher, what's wrong with this generation? We have sacrificed our kids on the altar of association. By the way, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do that through courtship. Did you know, church, you know I'm telling you the truth tonight. Did you know we are more picky about our dogs than we are our kids? We have people that have pedigree dogs, have old blue tick, you know, I mean, full-blooded blue ticks. Preacher, I paid four grand for this dog. And go out and build him a pen that's fit for a king. And one of the reasons you do that is so no, so some little sooner can't get to it. You say, man, that's a pedigree, preacher. That's, I mean, that's, that's a pedigree right there. I got to keep that thing pure. And yet, we'll let some guy that looks like a pimp walk off the street and load up our little girl in the car and take her off on a date. And don't know where they're going and don't know what they're going to be doing and don't give them a time to be home. And somebody says, I wonder what's wrong with this generation. I'm telling you what's wrong with this generation tonight. We're in a mess. And maybe we haven't sacrificed, uh, sacrificed ours to Moloch or Chemosh, but we've sacrificed our kids on a lot of other altars. Altar of apathy. Altar of association, we're done tonight. But this is a big one, the altar of assets. Look over at Ezekiel 16 again, verse 28, and we're done. The Bible says, thou hast played the whore also with the Assyrians. Look at this phrase, because thou wast unsatiable. Because thou wast unsatiable. In, in other words, you'd never be satisfied. That's what he's saying. You just could not be content. You always had to have something else. You always had to have someone else. And boy, so many are like that today, aren't they? I gotta have just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. We've been preaching about Lot the whole month and Lot sacrificed his children on the altar of assets. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes and looked on the well-watered plains of Sodom, but the Bible says the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. You know what I believe? I believe Lot had full knowledge they were wicked before he ever moved close to there. But he thought, I got to have a little bit more, a little bit more. I'm not satisfied with what I've got. I thought about that rich young ruler over in Mark chapter 10 who sacrificed his eternity on the altar of assets. I thought about the rich man of Luke 16 who sacrificed his family on the altar of assets. Again, this is, this is all I'm saying. You know what, Calvary? This is the truth. And I hope nobody here, I hope I'm missing everybody here tonight. But as a nation, we have sacrificed the lives of our kids. You know why? We gotta have a little bit more. And something a little bit more better. I gotta have a bigger house. I gotta have a better car. Yeah, we'll have to work all hours of the day and night and our kids will be home by themselves. But it'll be worth it. Really? Maybe you want to drive a less nicer car. Maybe we ought to live in a smaller house 
Especially if you're going to have to work all the time and never get to stay there anyway. For the sake of our children. I didn't know this. Somebody said that monkey is a delicacy in Africa. We mentioned the homes just a while ago. It's a delicacy. When I say delicacy, I'm not talking about pets. I'm talking about food. But hunters say that the monkeys are incredibly fast and hard to catch and very smart. And so at times they're hard to catch in a trap. And so hunters work on the weakness of the monkey. They'll take a gourd and they tie, a, uh, tie the gourd to the ground and then they drill just a very tiny, tiny hole in the gourd and then they put nuts inside the gourd. The monkey comes along and he can barely fit his hand through the hole and he reaches in and he fills the nuts and he grabs them. But when he grabs them, he can't pull his hand back out because the hole is too small for his fist. And that little monkey is so greedy that he, even when the hunter comes up to him and gets ready to knock him in the head, he will not let go of those nuts. And I thought, man, a lot of America's like that. And we feel like, man, we've just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Because of that, we have sacrificed our kids on the altar of assets. I guess what I'm trying to say tonight is this. Let's raise a different generation at Calvary. May we not settle for the status quo. Well, pastor, that's just the way it is. I reject that. I, you say, preacher, don't you know what year this is? It's 2021. But I think we can still raise some kids that have a heart for God and a love for the Lord and love their church and love the Bible and love God and love their parents. And some of you parents here tonight are fighting a battle. And I want to encourage you and say this, don't give up. It's worth it. And keep on fighting and keep on fighting. And I know you're trying to fight the devil off with everything you've got, trying to fight the devil off. Keep on fighting tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. What's wrong with the next generation? Father, I pray that you'll help us to be so careful. So careful. That we raise a generation in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, help us to be thankful. Help us to count our blessings. Name them one by one. Oh my, we're so blessed. Lord, thank you for eyes that can see. Thank you for ears that can hear. Thank you for a tongue that can speak. Thank you for hands that can feel and touch and hold. Thank you for legs that walk. Thank you, Lord, for a mind that can think. Thank you for a church, a wonderful church that you've given me to attend. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for loving me enough to give your son Jesus for me to die for me. Thank you, Father, when I was lost and undone and without hope, you came and covered me. 
and made me your own. God, if nothing else, if we don't get anything else out of this message tonight, I pray that we'll walk out of here saying, Lord, thank you for being so good. Thank you for being so good. God, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Real quickly, if I can ask a question. How many here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I do not know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody here on this Wednesday night, you'd slip up your hand tonight? As far as I can tell, everybody here tonight's saved. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hey, Christian, when's the last time you counted your blessings? Hey, teenager, when's the last time you counted your blessings? Hey, young person, when's the last time you went up to mom and dad and just put your arms around them and gave them a hug and said, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Thank you for caring enough to, to discipline me and correct me. Thank you. When's the last time that you went to someone and said, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that God brought you into my life. Hey, if God has spoke to your heart tonight in any way, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to make your way to an old-fashioned altar and do business with the Lord. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. God, I pray that you'll help us to be grateful. God, help us not to be apathetic. And God, may we be grateful with great enthusiasm. Lord, you are good. And you're a good God. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to give you praise. Forgive us for our murmuring and our complaining. And God, help us to be, help us to be a thankful and a grateful people. Lord, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen, if you need to come, the altar's open. I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment. And if I can help you or pray with you, hey, we're here and uh, you come today while we wait.